bed. What is it? Shouldn't you be lying down? This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 297, submission 85, the CBS Friday Night Block Party. The CBS Friday Night Block Party was a programming block for CBS in 1997. Well, Chica, one of our favorite things as kids was ABC's TGIF, which started... Oh, wait, hold on. I know this is not the correction segment, but we might as well do the correction segment right here. Cue the correction music. Now, Chico, during I Married Dora back in episode 266, you said this was when the TGIF blog started? Yes, I did. It started in 1989. Oh, so technically I Married Dora was not a part of TGIF. No, unfortunately it was not. But the TGIF block in 1989 was one of the most popular things ever. And when I say ever, I mean ever. Yeah, if you were a kid growing up in the late 80s to early 90s, you looked forward to the TGIF because that was your unofficial start to the weekend. It's Friday night and the moon is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's doing, TGIF. And one of the anchors of TGIF was... Miller Boyette Productions. Full House, Perfect Strangers, Step by Step. I mean, come on. It was classic. I mean, and Perfect Strangers begat Family Matters. Yeah, oh yeah, I can't forget about and, Family and, Matters. And family, yeah, Family Matters was the keystone of the entire lineup, you see. Everybody tuned in to Family Matters. And when they didn't tune into Family Matters, they were tuning into Step by Step. And when they weren't tuning into either one of those, it was Boy Meets World. That's right. Because if you didn't watch Boy Meets World... You know what's coming. Yeah. You'd meet some people who had a great takeout business. I figure you do a good takeout business. (laughs) Good takeout business. Yeah, we do a good takeout business. Takeout business. (laughs) But guys... In 1997, some changes were afoot. Because a couple of years earlier, the Walt Disney Company bought Capital Cities, the owners of the American Broadcasting Company. And they saw what they saw on Friday night and decided 
it was time to make a change. Yes, Family Matters and Step by Step and the entire Miller Boyette zeitgeist were out and in. We're basically building a teen-centric lineup around Boy Meets World. Yeah, it was like You Wish and Teen Angel, both future entries. And one of them has run glass. Mm-hmm. And in 1996, there was another new entry, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah. Melissa Joan Hart coming off Clarissa explains it all on Nickelodeon with her own show on TGIF. And the kids, they loved it. They all loved Sabrina. She looked good. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. We haven't done that in a while. I know we were overdue. Yeah. So, all right. Family Matters and Step by Step are out. Like, they're done, right? That's it. No, no. They, they still have story to tell. What? But They still have story to Chico, tell. Chico, Family Matters is like it's eighth or ninth season. And step by steps in season six, it's like I think they've told the stories that they needed to tell in those seasons. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yes. Enter Leslie Moonviz and forty million dollars. Oh, figures it would be less Moonviz that's responsible for this. Yeah. He decided, you know what? I think with ABC, pretty much Disney-fying the TGIF lineup, we use these two shows, Beverly Matters and Step by Step, as anchors in our own Friday Night lineup. Sort of a callback to what TGIF used to be. It so- used to be a party for the entire family, not just the older kids. So wait, are you saying that basically... Les Moonves made his own TJF with blackjack and hookers. That's exactly what I'm saying. So family matters, step-by-steps were your two anchors. And in the middle, you would have two new entries. Yes, one would be from Miller Boyette, and another show would be produced in-house by CBS. With help from Sony Pictures Television. Yes, but primarily the reason we're doing this is for the first show. And that show is, well, this show would be anchored by a Miller Boyette stalwart. And that would be Mr. Bronson Pinchot. What haven't we said about Mr. Bronson Pinchot? Oh, let's be honest. We all love Balky. Everyone loves Balky. How can you not love Balky? I mean, he's Balky. Yeah. That's That's like saying... You don't love love. Yeah. Mike, you love Balky, right? Who doesn't love Balky? He's so adorable. Yes. Yeah. And he gets into so much mischief. Yeah. Causing mayhem for Cousin Larry. Bronson Pinchot on a new show on the CBS Friday Night Block Party. So what is this going to be about, Chico? Well, I'll tell you. Migo, 
is a 9,000-year-old shape-shifting alien from the planet <clears throat> Marmazon 4.0. After his spaceship crashes, he's discovered by three children, Trip, Maggie, and Alex. They are the three Parker children. They live with their single father, Dr. Edward Parker, and pass Vigo off as human. He doesn't want anyone to know that he's an extraterrestrial because... Let's face it, if the government finds out that he's an extraterrestrial, they're going to do unspeakable things. Because that's what the government does. So, what is a good cover story for Migo? They say he's from Canada. What? It's true. Oh, it's true! It's damn true! Now, he says he's going to go home as soon as his ship is repaired, but he becomes attached to the children and decides to remain on Earth as their nanny, babysitter, and childish adult figure. Hmm. I don't know what else to call it except a childish adult figure. As we mentioned before, Migos played by Bronson Pinchot, a stalwart in the Bickley, Warren, Miller, Boyette, Warren, Warren, Warren universe. Playing the role of the three kids are Eric Von Detten in the pilot. He was replaced by Will Estes. Maggie was played by Michelle Trachtenberg before Buffy the Vampire Slayer, obviously. But after Pete and Pete. Yes. By the way, I uh, forgot to mention, Will Estes nowadays can be seen on Blue Bloods. And Erica Von Detten. He was on that one season of Celebrity Mole. Yes, he was. And Alex Parker is played by Jonathan Lipnicki. And if you don't know who Jonathan Lipnicki is, what podcast are you even listening to? Well, let's not say that he was famous for like one role. Yeah. yeah, but he played the role up to its hilt. I know, but you know, saying you, you don't know what cast you're listening. To. No, no, no. He had one role, one very big major role, but still one role. Yeah, and we all know that was the Jeff Foxworthy show. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. It was Jerry Maguire. No, no, it was the Jeff Foxworthy show. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, you do know his brother on the Jeff Foxworthy show is Haley Joel Osment, right? He looks different. Well, I got one thing to say. Walker told me I have AIDS. Jeez. That's... that's, that's Haley, come on! What the, I, know, I know it's a bad time, but it's not a good time to bring it up, Haley. Just don't, don't do that. No. Just... Anyway, playing their oh jeez, I, I I can't say this with a straight face because I know it's about to happen. Playing the role of their father, Doctor Edward Parker, is Ed Begley Jr. Now, now can I do the line? Yeah. And if you don't know who Ed Beckley Jr. is... Why are you listening what? to this podcast? Why? Why have you even listened to... Have you listened to any of these episodes? Have you even been paying attention? Migo aired 
as part of the block party from September 9th to October 24th, 1997, for a total of six episodes. They ordered 13, they produced 13, but seven of them went unaired. Jesse Frederick and Bennett Salve, and admittedly one of their lower points. Yeah, this was not really the best theme. No, it wasn't. But yeah, uh, CBS only aired six of the produced 13 episodes, but international markets did get the entire run. Uh, I know the entire run aired in the UK on Sky One, so... So, we do have uh, capsules of all 13 episodes. So, Sky One, thank you. Episode One, The Pilot. Migo is made temporary babysitter for the Parker kids after his spaceship crashes in their backyard, and he waits for repairs to be completed, but quickly finds himself growing attached to them and questioning his return home. Paige Peterson, who would be moonlighting from hang time at this point, or maybe before hang time, probably before hang time, would play a role of Heather Thompson, who is the uh, object of desire, shall we say? Oh, yeah. Trip. Yeah. The object of his desire. He's like spying on her with a telescope. He's a pervert. He's not Shasta McNasty level pervert, though. Oh, no. No, not Shasta McNasty pervy at all. But yeah, this was the only episode where Trip was played by Eric Von Denton, so there you go. I need to mention one name in this episode just because the character name makes me laugh because I apparently have a sense of humor of a 12-year-old. Playing Ilsa Scrotenbuster is Marianne Mullerliel. I'd still say saying Scrotenbuster. Busting somebody, it's bu- busting somebody's scrotes. Scrotenbuster. Scro- that's what I'm laughing. Scrotenbuster. Scrotenbuster. <laughs> and, and, and really, she's been uh, on plenty of shows, never really been a starring role on any of them. I just like saying Scroton Buster. That's called, you know what that's called, Mike? Getting immaturity. Crap past, it, getting crap past the radar. Well, this is a pilot, so did it even air necessarily? Uh, yes. Yeah, it did. Oh, it did. Okay. So, so people in America got to hear about Ilsa Scroton Buster. Ilsa Scroton Buster. B- busting the scrotes. Yep. But enough about my last ex girlfriend. Good night, everybody. Episode two, Chico. Episode two, Will SD steps in the role of Trip Parker as we talk about love and money. Migo gets his first paycheck, but still has a lot to learn about money. 
Maggie interrupts her studies to watch Trip and his friend play street hockey. This sounds like an early episode of Perfect Strangers. No, seriously, it does. You remember in a season one episode, Falky's all like, I discovered checks. Checks! Okay, this is sounding a little too much like what a country because we found out what happened when Yakov Smirnov discovered credit cards. Interesting note. Uh, playing an uncredited cameo as a repossessor, Jaleel White. Yeah, he has two cameos in this series. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, one of those cameos, he's wearing the glasses, but he's not doing the voice. You know, the glasses, yeah. but not the voice. Yeah. Episode 3, The Truth About Cars and Dogs. Maggie tries to tell her dad that the family nanny is an alien. Meanwhile, Migo goes on a date with the Parker's next-door neighbor, and Edward helps Alex build a model car for a derby. Oh, wait. He's going to build Alex a model car. Well, hopefully Migo doesn't make the car... Because remember that South Park episode when, like, Stan's dad was building Stan the car for the Pinewood mm-hmm. Derby, and it went yep. to, like, warp drive? And then you had the aliens with the space cash. Uh-huh. I remember that. Uh, one of the best episodes of South Park ever. Indeed it is. A uh, couple of names in this episode. First of all, playing the neighbor, Connie, the great... Andrea Martin. Fun fact, Andrea Martin is Canadian. And Migo, well, everybody just thinks he's Canadian. That's a fun fact. And and really, Andrea Martin, what do we need to say besides SCTV? Yep. Well, I mean, she's done a lot more than that, but that's where you'd know her from. Oh, definitely, definitely. And playing an uncredited role as Steve Urkel. Another appearance by Jaleel White, ladies and gentlemen. Has a 10-second cameo when he blows the whistle to start the race. Cross-promotion for CBS Friday Night Shows? Mm -hmm. Uh, Only, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So wait a second. That means Migu exists... In the Family Matters universe, which also means it exists in the Perfect Strangers universe? How do Migo and Perfect Strangers exist? They're the same person. I'm confused. Migo's a shapeshifter. He probably saw a picture of Bronson Pinchot and went for it. Valid excuse. Episode 4. It's good to be king. When Migo hears that Trip is no longer required to study to pass history now that he's the star of the basketball team, which is coached by the history teacher, he gives his own lesson. He shrinks the teacher coach and leaves him guarded by watchdog Barkley while he substitutes as King George III. What? (laughs) Shapeshifter, people. Pay attention. Meanwhile, Edward and Alex plan a fishing trip. I guarantee you one thing happened on that fishing trip. Hilarity ensued. 
Although Alex probably looked at Dr. Parker and said, Did you know the state fish of Hawaii was the Humuhumunukunukuapua'a? From future entry Camp Wilder, we have Megan Haldeman as the uh, girl of the week that Trip is looking at. Oh, yeah, because Trip, as we all know, as we mentioned, is a pervert. Interesting how we have a person that was on a TJF show on a block party show. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, we should also mention that at least in the first five episodes, d- did you notice who the uh, director is? Who? Richard Carell. Rich Carell. We've talked about him plenty of times. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, I, he's he, a legend. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, among other things, as a child actor, he was on Leave it to Beaver. And speaking of Leave it to Beaver, you know where he appeared. The week of Match Game Hollywood Squares with the Leave it to Beaver cast and Gallagher. Guys, I'm going to once again say it. If Gallagher had smashed the watermelon on the Friday episode, everyone would have gone nuts. Yes. Okay? Everyone would have yeah. gone nuts. Everybody. Right. Everybody. Th- that's how Gallagher ended his show. That's how Gallagher should have ended the week. Yeah, he he should have taken Richard Deacon, put his head right on the table, and smashed it to pieces with oh, the sledgehammer. No, not Mike. No. You're just horrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's just terrible. Oh, she goes, don't it's, encourage it. It is terrible. It is, don't it's, encourage it's him. No, okay, no, you, okay. But you're you're right. It's, it was very terrible. But it'd be damn funny. Episode five, Fatal Attraction. Trip learns a valuable lesson. Trip's always learning a valuable lesson, isn't he? Trip learns a valuable lesson after he takes Vigo's magic wrist device and uses it to trick a popular girl into believing that he's the boy of her dreams. He initially enjoys the attention, but changes his mind when his new girlfriend, Brooke, begins shadowing him and hanging on his every word. Meanwhile, Migo plays poker with Edward and some interns. Playing the role of Brooke is Maggie Lawson, which means we get to talk about Psych. Oh, does this mean we get to talk about James Roday Rodriguez, Chico? Hell yeah, it does. Psych 3, this is Gus, streaming on Peacock right now. She was also in uh, Future Entry Inside Schwartz. Can't wait for that. Okay, this is the last aired episode. Yes, it is. The Halloween episode. Maggie finds out that her secret admirer will be arriving incognito at her Halloween party and enlists Migo's aid in unmasking the mystery man while he tends to spooky tasks of his own, but he sets out to give Trip a scare. You mean he hasn't done that already? No, he hasn't. Okay. And that was pretty much the last episode before CBS decided to fill Migo's slot with other stuff, like Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving specials. Because this episode aired on October 24th. October 31st was the beginning of sweeps, and CBS was not going to give that time to something that was hemorrhaging viewers, and frankly, not really good at all. So the next seven episodes are the ones that did not air in the U.S., but did air abroad. 
Episode 7, Mommy and Migo. On Migo's first attempt to phone his mother, he ends up reaching three castaways instead. Gilligan, Marianne, and the Professor, still stranded after 35 years. While he continues his quest for a direct line to Barbizon for a point noon. Trip, Maggie, and Alex try to keep his origins a secret from their suspicious and cranky grandmother. Playing the role of said grandmother, another veteran of Step by Step, or a.k.a. the TGIF lineup, Peggy Ray. Oh. Yeah, she played uh, Carol's mother. She played Carol's mother uh, in season one of Step by Step. And by extension, the grandmother of Dana and whoever Angela Watson and Chris Castile played. But if you're thinking that the castaways did make an actual appearance on this show, yeah, you'd be right. Yeah. Bob Denver played Gilligan, Russell Johnson played the professor, and Don Wells played Marianne. You know, the professor, you'd think he'd bother to fix a hole in that damn boat. No. No. He's a professor. He's not an engineer. Okay, I have something to say here. This episode, not, I don't think it was going to save the series, but I'm surprised this one unaired. Maybe as a way to draw viewers, you know, they could have aired it in uh, in place of the uh, what actually aired as the last episode. Well, the last seems... episode though was a Halloween episode, so it's like you can't really. Okay, then you do it two episodes before. But I'm just saying you're wasting all this talent. Yeah, yes, they got to see it overseas, but it just seems like a, a really bad opportunity to maybe lure some eyes, even though it's really a desperation move at this point. Well, they were probably yeah. going to air it for sweeps, but then CBS decided, no. Nope. Right, right. Okay, well, that makes sense. It just, again, seems like a waste, but understandable. Yeah, and there was precedent too, because they swapped uh, some episodes out of order. Um, the truth about Cars and Dogs was actually before Love and Money. So Love and Money was actually supposed to be the third episode. It aired as the second episode. So the precedent was there. Yeah, I, I get it. It's just, I don't know. It seems like an opportunity lost that they couldn't have slid it in in say like the third week or the fourth week or something like that, but you know, th this is twenty five years old. I don't know why I'm I'm complaining about it so much. True. Episode eight, Magic Parker. Alex tricks Migo into helping him show off in front of Marcus. Maggie tries to get him to help set up Edward on a date. While waiting for Alex to finish his martial arts lesson. He meets two other nannies and asks if they're available, but finds out they're aliens. Misunderstanding them, he assumes they are from a different planet. Oh, Jesus. Maestro Harrell actually makes his first appearance as one of Alex's best friends, Marcus. So, there you go. And I'm thinking to myself, aliens? Yeah. I imagine that they are uh, aliens as in immigrants. And in the role of the karate sensei, he used to wear green all the time, Jason David Frank. Or white. 
or Maybe, red or red yeah but this was before he wore black i see what you did there yeah yeah and also playing edith in this episode we've talked about her in the past jean spiegel howard ron howard's mama yep. oh that means that she, she's also clint's mama and we also talked about her husband who's rance howard yes and you know what that means She's Bryce Dallas Howard's Nana. Episode 9, Liar Liar. When Trip lies to get on a date with college girl Amanda, Migo embellishes it with his antics. He also encounters Snow for the first time. Oh, oh there's God. something you should know about Trip. He's very stupid. <laughs> no! So you're saying he's both horny and stupid, or was it pervy and stupid? One or the other? How about both? Works for me. It's both. In one episode, he misspells a sign, and Miko asks, you misspelled it. And he says, I couldn't spell Ebola. Oh, God. Why is there a sign in the front yard that says this house quarantined due to very gnarly disease? <laughs> I didn't know how to spell Ebola. <laughs> you didn't know how to spell house either. <laughs> Special shout out to Pab over at 13 Week Theater for that. Man, he's going to be really screwed in 2020. Oh, no. Jeez. Peg. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know. Is... I didn't know how to. Yeah, I imagined him, a forty-year-old Alex. I didn't know how to spell coronavirus. You didn't know how to spell house either. We didn't even talk about the big name on this episode. Oh, what was the big name? Uh, playing the role of college girl Amanda, Devin Odessa. Who would I know her from? Uncle Buck. She. She was in Uncle Buck, My So-Called Life. She played Hesse in Pumpkinhead and the Succubus in Sleepwalkers. And in that one episode of Saved by the Bell where Screech and the hot chick were uh, teaming up for an assignment and the assignment was sell people on the camera and Screech sold people on the camera. Episode 10. I won't be home for Christmas. It's Christmas, and Migo tries helping out by doing such things as teleporting the Christmas tree into the house, still tied to the roof of the car, and helping Edward get Alex the toy he wants. It is, of course, the most popular one of the season, and in a mad rush at the department store, his wrist device is broken. Oh, no. Susan, what do you have to say about that? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I thought she got enough mileage last week out of that. Apparently we still have some more left in the tank there. Episode 11, Saturday Night Fever. Edward has to go away for the weekend to assist the operation. Migo catches the chicken pox with strange side effects. Trip sneaks out of the house at midnight to go to an illegal rave party and Maggie is fed up with being a geek when she wins the Model Citizen of the Month Award for the fifth time running. So she tries changing her image. This, by the way, was before 
Michelle Trachtenberg transitions to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just saying. So Paige Peterson returns as Heather, and in a role as Guy with Big Hat, that is the name of the role, Shane West. Oh, that's Shane West. Yeah, a Walk to Remember, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Once and again. And Gotham, where he played Bane. Oh, he was Bane in Gotham? He was Bane in Gotham. Bane! I don't know why in The Dark Knight Rises Tom Hardy talked like this. Like Johnny Olsen? Oh, no. Don't say his name two more times or else you'll summon him. Hey, Mike, shut the fuck up. I don't sound like Bane. Oh, my God. Is that Bane? Did I just offend a, a, a game show announcing legend who's also a ghost? Yes, you did, Mike. You better okay, shut just... the hell up or else I'll sick my robot doppelganger on your ass. Episode 12. Performance art. Migo tries to persuade the kids to take their school field trip to the museum rather than the ice cream parlor. Trip plays sick to get a coveted autograph. Well, of course Trip would do that. Yeah. And of course, because he's both horny and stupid, he'll probably get caught. And in a role as a customer, this would be Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour callback number two for the episode... Also, a Star Trek callback, Evan Ham. Oh, yeah, because he was a contestant on Match Game Hollywood Square's Hour. Now you get it. Yeah. But hey, he wasn't uh, Butch Hartman, who lost $30,000 with Hulk Hogan's ex sister in law. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Hey, it could have been worse. You could have picked Linda Dano four times and lost. Oops. And finally, episode 13, Car and Driver. Tripp is desperate to get his driver's license in order to improve his dating prospects. Because, again, he's horny. And stupid. He's a teenage male. That's all you need to know. And that's the show. It was as dumb as you could possibly imagine. I have an article on the South Florida Sun Sentinel that says Migo is alien to adults. Yeah, it was just Yeah. It's like I couldn't think of anything to like about it, could you? <sighs> but well, but you know what? We'll get to the lineup as a whole in a moment because coming out of Migo was a significantly better TV show. And that would be the Gregory Hines Show, which aired September 15th, 1997 to February 27th, 1998 for 15 episodes, seven unaired ones on the table. Gregory Hines played Ben Stevenson a working single father to young Maddie Stevenson, who is busy diving headfirst back into the dating pool after his wife died 
at around the same point that Maddie is just learning to get his feet wet. Helping Ben out is his brother Carl, his co-workers Alex, Nicole, and Angela, and his father James. Along with some other famous faces along the way, which we'll get to in a moment. Playing the role of, we said already, Gregory Hines is Ben Stevenson. Gregory Hines is the song and dance, and he's a triple threat. What's not to like? We miss him so. In the role of Maddie Stevenson, his young child, is Brandon Hammond, who has kept busy since then, if I'm not mistaken. He was actually in Space Jam. The original, right? The original Space Jam, yeah. Oh, look what role he played. Michael Jordan at 10 years old. Yeah, this was uh, a year before the Gregory Hines show. But since then, he was in stuff like The West Wing. He's been a producer and a writer, and he was actually even a director at one point. So yeah, he's been busy as of late. Playing the role of Alex is Mark Tim Kishin. He hasn't been in much. Well, actually, that's that's a lie. He spent 15 episodes on George Lopez as Mel Powers. Playing the role of Nicole Moran, the beautiful, sassy ex-wife of Alex with a heart of gold, is Robin Riker. And Mike? Fire up the music machine. It's time to play Is This Typecasting? Well, we really don't have a song for that, but is it typecasting? We'll find out. Yes. Uh, Robin Riker plays Nicole Moran, who is the beautiful and smart-mouthed ex-wife of Alex and a good friend to Ben, who is constantly trying to hook Ben up with her friends while getting a word in edgewise to her ex-husband. Now, knowing that Robin Riker played a similar role on both Get a Life and Brothers, I ask you boys, is this typecasting? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna go yes. This has been Is This Typecasting? And playing the role of the uh, assistant, Angela, is Judith Shelton. She can be heard nowadays as Londra Pennypacker on The Great North. And rounding out the cast as the, as the father and the brother, Carl Stevenson is played by Wendell Pierce, who's known for The Wire and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. He also played uh, such career-defining roles in The Watch and Chicago PD and Suits. He played Teddy on The Odd Couple with uh, Tom Lennon and Matt Perry. Oh, yes, that version of The Odd Couple. Oh, yeah, the one that reruns all the time on Pluto TV. Yeah, especially that one episode with Gary Marshall and Mr. Met. <laughs> that was a great It always episode. goes back to Mr. Met. It does. When he's not playing the trumpets for Edwin Diaz. <laughs> and rounding out the cast as Father James is Bill Cobbs, 
who you would remember as Del Paxton in That Thing You Do, or Zach or old Zachary Lamb in Demolition Man. Oh yes, Demolition Man. Yep. He was also on a show with Matthew Perry, the short-lived Go On. We talked about that show because Seth MacFarlane made a joke about it as Ryan Lochte. That's right. It was called Goon. Goon! No, no, that's Go On. I wonder how many swims he gave that. Ten swims. Ten swims, probably. Ten swims. You know what this block probably got from Ryan Lochte? Five swims. Probably like 30 swims. 30 swims? Okay, okay. I bet you he would have loved Mego. He's probably the only person who saw Mego. Let's go over the episodes real quick. Episode 1, The Pilot, a.k.a. Square One. A widower and his young son enter the world of dating. The widower, Ben, goes on a date with a uh, friend of Alex. And his young son, Maddie, goes on a date with his lab partner. We got a name in this episode. Big name. Playing Elizabeth. Penny Johnson Gerald. Oh, Penny Johnson Gerald. Yeah. Yep. Sherry Palmer on 24, but also currently on The Orville, Dr. Claire Finn. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I think this is the second time this year we've mentioned Penny Johnson Gerald. I am very sure you are correct. What episode it was? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking. Park, was it Parker Lewis Can't Lose? No, because we never covered Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Because Parker Lewis can't lose. He can't. Yeah, that's why we'll never put it on the list, because he can't lose. I am pretty sure Mike might have been thinking about what's Alan watching here, hence why he thought we covered Parker Lewis. Oh, it was women in, pr- is women in prison. Oh, yes. Yeah, yep, there it is. There it is right there. Now you're in, in jail. Oh, my gosh. Episode two. Basketball Jones. Ben has second thoughts about publishing a basketball player's autobiography. Playing the role of said basketball player, Will Jones, Rick Worthy from Station 19 and the Magicians and the Man in the High Castle. He's done a lot. Episode 3. Flirting with disaster. Carl's date confuses Ben's professional interests with flirting. Playing the role of Carl's date, Jeanette. Gina Torres. Oh, Gina Torres. What hasn't Gina Torres done? She's done it all. Episode 4. Epilogue to a kiss. For Maddie's sake... Ben invites Paige's parents to dinner. Paige, of course, being the recurring character to which uh, Maddie has an on-again, off-again relationship. She's played by Angelique Perry. And playing the role of Paige's parents, Riff Hutton and Yvonne Barrett. 
Episode 5. Boys Night In. Ben leaves Maddie home alone for the first time. Playing the role of Doug, a guy you might remember from the show or the news, the uh, nightly sketch comedy show with uh, Brad Sherwood and um, Maestro Clark. Oh, I remember that. Uh, th- that didn't last all that long. I liked that show. I loved that show. I grew up watching that show for the six or so months it was on. Yeah, uh, oh, the news that that, that takes that takes me back to a much better time. It really does. It does. Not not even joking there. Episode six, Catcher on the Train, an award-winning author's second book stinks to Ben's chagrin. It stinks. Thank you. George Murdoch plays the author of said book, Samuel Lawrence. Episode seven. So far, so good. Maddie is upset with Ben for replacing their couch. Probably has something to do with his mother, which I totally get. In a role as Sherry from Miami Vice, Olivia Brown is in this episode, so there's the name. Episode 8. Eight and a half months. Ben meets a pregnant woman at a Halloween costume party. And apparently he's smitten with said woman, who, by the way, is dressed as pregnant Madonna. Oh, yeah, because did Madonna have her kid around this time? Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know who played that lady. Oh, well. Probably wasn't this woman playing herself. Big, big, big name, and oh. we're not even talking about in the acting field. Oh, yeah. Of all time. One of the most legendary names in literature. Maya Angelou. Oh, yeah. Don't even have to say anything besides that. Episode 9, The Man Called Uncle. Ben prepares for an IRS audit. He's going to be audited by Mike Rotunda? No. Jeez. No, he's not. Oh. Even I got that joke. I'm proud. I'm proud for you. Is is Greg proud for me? Yes. Yes, yes, he is. Thank you. I I needed validation. (laughs) Validate me! Episode 10. Three's not company. Maddie and Weitzman fall for the daughter of Ben's competitive high school pal. And you know who plays that high school pal? Clifton Davis. Yep. That's my mama. Amen. I really don't need to say anything more than that. No, sir, you do not. And playing Weitzman, one of the youngest members of the SAG at the age of four, E.J. De La Pena. He's a filmmaker. He actually played Larry Mandello in the 1997 movie adaptation of Leave it to Beaver. That's all you need to know about that. And playing the role of Clifton Davis's daughter? Megan Good. I mean, come on. Think like a man. Harlem. Minority Report the series. What more can we say? 
She's in Fury of the Gods, Greg. Oh, Fury of the Gods. Yeah, now you're interested. Episode 11, To Volunteer is Human. Ben spearheads a fundraising auction for Maddie's choir. And oh boy, do we have a couple of really big names in this episode. Play the role of Roger Barron, T.K. Carter. Well, isn't it just our luck? <laughs> oh, God. Somebody it... out there has the episodes. Somebody. Well, Chico, in a bit, we're going to learn in a couple weeks that potatoes are the food of the 90s. Yes, we are. But did the... you, did you, hold on. Mike, did you know potatoes are the food of the 90s? I must have missed that memo. You can boil them, bake them, fry them, flame. They're the food of the 90s. Potatoes. <laughs> boil them, fry them, mash them in a stew. Potatoes. <laughs> yeah, potatoes are the food of the 90s, but you know what's better than that? Rip meat off the bone. Hey. We're going to throw in all of the Lord of the Rings references. We're going to throw in all of the Lord of the Rings references. Yes. But, oh, T.K. Carter, not the biggest name in this episode. Not even close. Playing the role of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wait. I'm going to take a wild guess here. Is it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? It is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, my God. How did... Ah, what a lucky guess. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't he a pilot? No, that's Roger Murdoch. He's a pilot. Oh, Roger Murdoch is the pilot. My mistake. Episode 12. Love thy neighbor. Ben's dad has a romantic relationship with a hip neighbor. And I bet she's played by Joan Pringle because she looks hot. She played uh, Sybil Buchanan in The White Shadow, by the way. Oh, she was also on, and this is the second time we're mentioning this show, this episode. She was on That's My Mama. You know, it was also on That's My Mama, Clifton Davis. Yeah, we mentioned that's what, that. That's, it's not even a joke. That's what I'm referring to. Okay, I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just I literally mentioned Clifton Davis like 10, 12 minutes ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Episode 13, James Stevenson stands alone. Foot surgery sidelines James, then Ben and Carl convince him to retire. Oh, playing the role of Maria in this episode. A pre, pre, pre one day at a time, Justina Machado. I just like pointing that out. Episode 14. Carpe diem. Just for fun, Ben dates a younger woman. Ooh! Oh, yeah. Um, She's played by Ziana Young, but not the two big names in this episode. Uh, the first, the sort of sub-big name, playing the role of Eric, Allie Leroy, who is just this big writer and producer. I mean, we're talking about Everybody Hates Chris, 
head of state, are we there yet? Saturday Night Live. He's just a prolific writer and producer. But the big one, playing the role of Jack, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, who will be in the Quantum Leap reboot. Yep. And, of course, Ghostbusters. Some movie named Ghostbusters. Episode 15, Perchance to Dance. Ben's friends and family tap dance with him in dream sequences. Because if you're going to make a show with Gregory Hines as the lead, you're going to get him dancing. Duh. I mean, that's in the contract. Gregory Hines has to dance. And Ziana Young makes it a return appearance as Diane. Episode 16, Wahuntra. Ben becomes awestruck after a manuscript falls into his lap about a fearless Maasai princess called Wahuntra. I have to mention this name here because uh, there's been some news as of late and uh, Tony was played by Denise Dows. And I only mention this name because nowadays she was in the news because she is in a coma due to meningitis. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. She's one of those uh, actresses who's been in everything. I mean, she was in uh, California Dreams, obviously. She's been in Starship Troopers. She was in Ray. Biodome, Requiem for a Dream, she's done it all. We are sad to report that Denise Dows passed away this past Saturday, August 13th, from the meningitis at the age of 64. Rest in peace. Episode 17, Get Smarter. Maddie joins a study group and begs Ben for some money to attend a lecture. Okay. Uh, in the role of Christy, Portia Coleman, who we talked about in earlier installments, Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me, as Chelsea Dixon. Episode 18, Anita the Hun. Maddie gets in trouble at school, making Ben have to come down and talk with his tough English teacher, Anita Hunsley. Sadly, not much is known about who plays Anita the Hun. Uh, We'll get to that momentarily. Episode 19, Sister-in-Law, Sister-in-Law. A takeoff of Sister, Sister? No. No. <laughs> it's oh, okay. actually yeah it's it's actually uh it's actually a sister-in-law story ben gets a surprise visit from his baby sister-in-law julia bullock she's a drifter slash swindler who owed him a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a thousand dollars that's not a lot of money no it really isn't no. But playing the role of Julia is a lady by the name of Lachans, who is known for playing Anne in The Blacklist, several roles on Law and Order SVU, and Rachel in The Help. Oh, The Help. Yeah. But she did do the voice of 
Terpsichore in the TV version of Hercules. Of Disney's, sorry, Disney's Hercules. Not the Sam Raimi Hercules. No, the not Disney the Sam Raimi, the Disney version. The Disney version. Yes. And we all know who was in the Disney Hercules playing a voice. Ongo Gablogian. Episode 20. Mug the one you're with. I don't have a capsule on this one. Oh, well, that's a shame. But I can tell you that Harriet Sampson Harris was in it. And that's really the only person of note that I can remember. She played Ellen in Nurse Betty. She was actually Felicia Tillman on Desperate Housewives. But you probably remember her as B.B. Glazer on 11 episodes of Frasier. And I know you like Highway to Heaven, Greg. She was also in an episode of that. Oh, hopefully it's on the Highway to Heaven channel on Freebie. Especially the episode with... Woo-wee! Woo-wee! That's Woo-wee! true! Woo-wee! Was on an episode of Highway to Heaven. Woo-wee! She was yeah. in a, on an episode of Highway to Heaven with... Woo-wee! Probably not that episode with... Woo-wee! On an episode. Episode 21. Ben-Hur. When Ben turns out an offer to spend the night at Kira's place after walking <laughs> her home... Hold on, I just got that joke! Because Gregory Hines' character's name is Ben! <laughs> now you get it! <laughs> ben her. When Ben turns down and offers to spend the night at Kira's place after walking her home, he wonders if there's something wrong with him. You know, as one does. Vanessa Bell Calloway plays the woman of the week, Kira Lewis, and she's, again, one of those ladies who has been in everything. Wicked City, The Black Hamptons, This Is Us. Wow. Shameless. Shameless. She's She's been in everything. Oh, uh, by the way, I found a capsule for uh, Mug, the one you're with, so... Okay, what is it? What's in that episode? Ben takes out a mugger to protect Maddie, making him a hero in his son's eyes, and an object of envy in Carl's. Ben just wants to put the incident by him, but he doesn't get his wish after Maddie brags about it in school. His class goes to the publishing company for career day, and all they want to talk about is how Ben beat up a bad guy. The mugger ends up suing him for using excessive force, rendering him unable to work. Uh oh. Uh oh. And say, episode 22. I'll see you all in health. After a heart attack scare with James, Ben recommends to James that he start taking better care of himself. But when Carl reminds him that it's been five years since he's been to a doctor, Ben decides to set a good example for his father and see the physician who works with Carl's girlfriend, Naomi, to prove that he's the picture of perfect health. Turns out, Naomi is the doctor. Uh oh. Uh oh. Naomi's played by Judith Moreland, who, again, stop me if you've heard this one, she's been in everything. Uh, She's been in Bosch, CSI, The Unit, and Profilers. So, 
And that is the show, and by extension, that is the block party. So, I, again, if you ask me, Gregory Hines had the better of the two shows. I mean, it was especially well written, it was especially well acted, and I watched the pilot, which is available on Crackle, as well as a few of the episodes from the season, including four of the seven unaired shows. And by and large, there was a lot of chemistry there. Yeah, it was a good show. It unfortunately was saddled with the rest of the Miller Boyette shows. Yeah, but- there they had uh, Gregory Hines had three things going against it. One... It was the lead-out for Migo. Two, it was up against Boy Meets World. And three, if you look at all of the shows in the lineup, it seems like it was a bit out of place. I mean, here you have a mature show saddled in with three family comedies. And again, you have family comedy, family comedy, family comedy. Then you have the Gregory Hines show which didn't know if it wanted to be a family comedy or a workplace comedy or a relationship comedy. You get what I'm trying to say here? So in other words, it was kind of like going places? It was kind of like going places. Except this didn't have Alan Rock. It did not have Alan Rock. He would have been too busy on Spin City. Yeah. By the way, Spin City, the entire runs on Pluto TV. Nice. So that means we can one day do the episode where um, Richard Kind's character went on Millionaire. Make that into a mini and I'll consider it. But yeah, it was a really good show. And if it was on any other time slot, maybe on any other network, it probably would have stood a chance. But it was on this network and it was on this night. And it had the unfortunate fortune to go against Migo. So thoughts on either one of the shows? Well, I think we can agree. The Gregory Hines show was good. Migo, nope. No. It was not. Let me just say this. Even at 13, when this aired, I knew Migo was terrible. And that's saying a lot. When 13-year-old Greg Dieter is like, nope, not going to bother with this. And I watched some pretty stupid crap when I was 13. I think we all watched some pretty stupid crap when we were 13. I think that's the age where you start discovering, yes, it's crap, but I'm going to watch it. But, But yeah, I mean, Gregory Hines' show... Again, it had any other time slot, it probably would have worked. The fact that it was on opposite Boy Meets World and after Vigo did not help. No, it did not. And then did they put it back like later on after the block party dissolved in 98? Looking at the schedule, we know it premiered on a Monday. Out of, oh boy, out of the American adaptation of the British comedy One Foot in the Grave, starring Mr. Black and Madeline Kahn and Ducky Doug and Felicia Rashad. 
that led into Sybil. This would have been airing uh, opposite Melrose Place, Dateline. Oh, that'll do it. Melrose Place and Dateline. Even but if no, it's... Here's the thing, though. It aired opposite Dateline, but Dateline had 11.8 million viewers. Melrose Place had 10.3 million. The Gregory Hines show got 14.1 million. By all accounts, it should have succeeded. Well, you know what? I explained that too. It was coming out of Sybil. I bet it was, no, it was going the... into Sybil. Oh, it was going into Sybil. Maybe people were waiting to watch Alicia Witt. Maybe. 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 I know that's what I probably might have been doing that in 1998. I probably would have just tuned in the CBS. I want to watch Alicia Witt. I bet that's probably what happened. I was one of those people that tuned in to wait for Sybil. But on Friday, on its regular time slot, both ABC and CBS ended up eating each other while the night went to NBC's Dateline and Fox's lineup of The Visitor and Millennium. Oh my god, I forgot about Millennium. Yeah, that was like Chris Carter's follow-up to The X-Files and like, I remember that got like a ton of hype and nobody watched it. I can't tell you a single thing about it. Mm, and that nope. was on for like three seasons, wasn't it? Uh, I want to say yes, so. Yeah, I can't tell you one thing about it. I can't tell you what Millennium was about or nothing. Family Matters the next week uh, got uh, 8.8 million viewers watching it. But then Mego dropped to 7.8. Gregory Hines went up to 8.6. And Step by Step went up to 9.2. And of course, the night ended with Nash Bridges. Oh, Nash Bridges. Oh, that's terrific. But here's the thing. That was the premiere night of TGIF with the new seasons of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and new entries, You Wish and Teen Angel, both of which we talked about earlier in this episode. And it could not survive the might of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Boy Meets World, and the other two shows. Which were, I guess you could say, success by proxy, maybe? Not really, because both of those didn't last a year. They did not last a year, no. But they lasted long enough to kindly show Migo and the Gregory Hines show the door. But that was it. After six weeks, Migo was gone, and Gregory Hines show lasted until February. And didn't they just burn off Family Matters and Step by Step in the summer? They did. They did. They burned off all those new episodes in the summer. Yeah. But like we said, if you want to uh, catch the Gregory Hines show yourself, they did put uh, most of the episodes, including four of the Unseen episodes, on Crackle. You can watch them for free. Uh, The other three, I'm afraid, remain lost media. Nobody is lining up to watch Migo. But I'm sure there's one episode or two on YouTube if you can find it. I think most of the episodes are on YouTube, especially the ones with the Gilgan's Island cast. Because I've seen it on YouTube. Okay. So, there you go. But eventually, you know, this kind of stunt of trying to, like, use 
the TGIF lineup against itself kind of worked because the TGIF lineup, I don't think lasted till past 2000 or 2001, right? Mm, no, I don't think the uh, TGIF lineup lasted um, past 2001. I think. I think once Boy Meets World ended, that was it. Yeah. At the tail end of the uh, TGIF run, Boy Meets World was the anchor because Sabrina the Teenage Witch would also switch networks. Yeah, because it went to WB. And yeah, the the last TGIF of the original run was September eighth, two thousand. Of course, they tried to bring it back in various entries, neither of which held past a single season or two. That's it. That's the history of the CBS Friday Night Block Party and its tenuous relationship with the TGIF block. But you can listen to us regale more Jaleel White stories on our website. It was a thing on TV.com. We have 296 episodes aside from this one. In addition to live shows, mini shows, and of course our present series, links to all of our socials and it was a thing on TV. Of course, Facebook was up against the Friday Night Block Party as well. So we had to do it was a thing on TV podcast there. We would also have a link to our friends at Place to Be Nation, and of course, a link to our YouTube page where you can like our videos, subscribe to our feed, share our videos, remember to hit the notification bell. Did I do that? So you can stay up to date with all of our future entries, including what we have coming for you on Thursday, which is, and I cannot wait for this, the return of a favorite. Hometown commercials. What in the world did we find that was better than Crazy Gideon, I wonder? I guess you're going to have to wait and see this Thursday, right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Eric, have you seen Urkel? Have I seen Urkel? Uh-huh. Not yet. What's your favorite episode of Family Matters? Um, I haven't really seen it, to be honest. Mine is the one where Urkel breaks up a fight by breakdancing. Really? If you see him, can you send him my way? Oh, absolutely. That's first on my list. Thank- Let me go check it out right now. I'll be right back. You didn't get to meet Urkel, did you? No. And that was one of the reasons you went out there, wasn't it? Absolutely. Bob, did you learn anything from this experience? Um, just to not set your expectations so high. I have a surprise for you. Urkel, come on in. Bob, Hi, it's Bob. Urkel. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at you. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Uh, I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> not Urkel. Sit down. Here's the real Urkel, Jaleel White. Bob!
show, buddy. Thank you, Dave. Nice job. Bob Borden, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.